welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And our student ministries exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Our whole goal is to come alongside parents and helping their kids follow Jesus Christ. And so what you're about to listen to is a sermon that was preached on our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30. And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Tonight we're going to talk about one thing and one thing only, and it is this. You guys got to hear this. Your parents say, hey, what did you learn tonight? The one thing, the one thing is this. God is love. God is love. 1 John 4, 7 through 14. Beloved, he's talking to believers, okay? John is talking to believers. He says, beloved, beloved ones, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God or born again or has been saved by God and knows God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8. Anyone who does not love his brother or sister or people does not know God because God is what? Love. love. That's right. Verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest. That word manifest means revealed, like a Christmas gift. You open it up and the mystery is revealed. Well, the love of God was revealed, what does it say, was manifested among us. In what way? That God sent his only son into the world so that we, believers, might live, we who were once dead, might live through him. Verse 10, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That's a big word that means atonement, payment for sin. He sent his son to be the payment for our sins. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You could circle verse 11. That's the main point. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us or makes his home in us or lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him or uh, that we are in Christ and are in union with him and that God lives in us. How do we know this? Because he has given us his Holy Spirit. Verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. God is love. You know, many of you, there's many, many of you in this room who struggle with loving your family members. You have a really hard time loving your siblings. Perhaps, or maybe there's uh, uh, someone at your school that kind of annoys you or, or someone that you look down upon and you have a really hard time loving them. And maybe there's some of you, and I know this has been true of some of the guys, even here on a Wednesday night, that there have been some that have bullied um, other students that have been unloving towards other students here. It really is a problem amongst 
amongst kids your age, amongst middle schoolers, is that sometimes we could be downright unloving towards one another. And that's not even, that's just not only in person, but what about online? What about in our thoughts? The things that we say about one another, the gossip, the slander that you might have already done tonight. In the church and among students, we have a hard time loving people. We have a hard time loving in general. Our world, our world is obsessed with the idea of love. So we have a problem with loving people, but then we also have a longing within our heart, like, I want to be loved. I want to be liked. And our world is obsessed with love, but not with the love of God. The world is obsessed with love, but not with the love of God. The world claims that love will solve all your problems, except for the problem of sin, right? The world says, all you need is love. You know that song? All you need is love. All the older, all, the, all my leaders know the song. It's by the Beatles, right? If, if, if we have love, there will be no wars and no famines and no, no, no uh, hostility towards people. There would be no... All we need, but the problem in our world is that we don't love. But how is that working out for our world? That's its main message. On the back of the helmets of every single NFL player, it says, choose love. But what do they mean? The passage says that anyone who does not know God does not know love. So if the world rejects God, it therefore rejects true love. You see the problem here? And yet the world and us today, we have a problem with loving people. The world says that the reason why you're anxious and lonely and depressed, girls and boys, is because you do not love yourself enough. You need more self-esteem. You need to fill your cup before you pour out towards others. Right? Your cup's half full. You need to get up in the morning. You need to look in the mirror. You need to stare in that mirror and you need to say, I love you. Right? Yeah, I love you. You are so handsome. You're so good looking. It's weird. People literally do this. It's like their therapist tells them, you know, I want you to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, I love you. If you just do that, if you just... Fixate on yourself a little bit more. Practice self-love. Then all your problems will disappear. Get rid of the toxic people in your life. Insulate. Look inward. And then you will find salvation. Right? Love is the cure for people. So we know that we have a problem in this world. We have a problem in this room. And the world is saying, hey, love's the cure. As one famous couple wrote, all my life has been a series of doors in my face. And then suddenly, so this, this, this person, this person has, has gone through a lot of trials and tribulations, having a hard time. But then suddenly she bumps into this man, all right, bump into you. Then the man says, I was thinking the same thing, because like, because like grown men talk like that, because like, I've been searching my whole life to find my own place. So obviously this man, this young man is very aimless, probably doesn't have a job or a good job. <laughs> You know, you know, like one of those kids in high, one of those guys in high school and middle school that are wanting to date but has no idea what he's doing, right? That's this guy here. He's been searching his whole life to find his own place. Does he not have a bedroom? <laughs> what place are you talking about? And maybe he says, maybe it's the party talking or the chocolate fondue. So obviously he's got a, he's got, he overeats. It's not good. No self-control. But with you, but with you, 
I found my place. I see your face. And it's nothing like I've ever known before. Love is an open door. Love is an open door. Love is an open door. <laughs> what does that even mean? Love is an open door? Like, seriously? Like, can you just open this door? I found love! <laughs> what? Guys, if you're lonely, I know how you can find love. Just walk right through that door. <laughs> Girls? Here's the good news of the gospel of Frozen. Walk through that door. I don't need, but here's, in all reality, like, here's the, here's the thing. Is that whether you know it or not, each and every one of you are being shaped by what the world says love is. Even by Disney. Seriously. It's this relativistic idea that love can be anything. It, it's an open door. Like, it can mean anything to you. Love is love. And then income creeping things like the LGBTQ+, right? All of these things, even, which is even getting worse, the, the uh, affirmation of pedophilia. It's going that way. Love is love. But what is love? What is <laughs> No, it's not. Love is not an open door. Love is a person. Love is a person. Because the love I want to talk about is a love that, the, that does not stem from you and I. It does not come from this earth or this world. It's not a worldly, corrupt, perverted love, a selfish love, a transactional love, a performance-based love. Like, I'll only love you if you do X, Y, and Z for me. That's our world's type of love. Now, the love that I want to talk about tonight, I want to point you towards the source of love. I want you to see love, to know love, and to experience true love. And so what is it? God is love. God is love. Thus, in the light of all that you've learned so far about God, to say that God is love is also to say that God is eternally loving, right? Because God is eternal. God is infinite, therefore he's infinite in his love. His love is infinite. He's unchanging, therefore his love is unchanging. He's omnipresent, therefore his love is omnipresent. He's just, therefore his justice is loving. Right? His holiness is loving. All of who God is, God isn't just love. Sometimes that's all we think about. He is all of his attributes. God is eternally love. God the Father is love, the Son is love, and the Spirit is love. So what is love? God is love. And in 1 John, the reason why John is going to point us to God to see his love is to encourage us to love one another. Because the church then had a problem with love. There's a problem with loving one another in here. And so what's the solution? You need to look outside of yourself and you need to look to God. And so how is God love? We're going to see, we're going to see two things. God's love and then our love. Okay, God's love and our love. First, God's love. So God is a trinity, meaning he is one being in three persons. Therefore, to say that God is love means that all of his persons are love. The Father is love, the Son is love, and the Spirit is love. So how does this work out in their relationship? The first thing that we see in the text is that love comes from the Father. 
Love comes from God the Father. God the Father is love. And so people are asking the question, where can I find love? And people are like, hey, there's an app for that, right? (laughs) Here, watch this, read this book, watch this movie. But people are serious. They're like, I've never felt love. I've never known love. Where can I find it? And you might find friends that are in this position. Where are you going to point them to? The text says that whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. Verse 7, love is from God. Love is from God the Father. He is the source of love. He did not create love. He is love. And he's eternally existed in love. Hey, pay attention. All right. God the Father is love. He's existed in a perfect triangle of love. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they loved each other. And guess what? They didn't need to create anything in order to uh, have their love fulfilled. They were perfectly content in themselves. But here's the good news. This is how loving God the Father is. Is though he was content to spend all of eternity in love with the, with the Son and the Holy Spirit... In eternity past, he created a plan. He made a plan with the Son of the Holy Spirit to create a world where creatures can then be brought into his love. See, here's the good news, is that God didn't have to create any of you. And that God could have kept his love secret, but he has made it known. He has made a plan so that you can know the love of God and so that you can experience love, the love that you need. Because we're all plagued with sin. God could have allowed us to to die and, and burn in hell forever, but he had a plan to save you and me. God the Father made this plan in eternity past. Guess what? God the Father has been loving you for all of eternity. And if you're a Christian... That is true of you. And if you're not a Christian, it's still true of you. But even more so, if you're a Christian, his special love has been set upon you from all eternity. And how can you sit think that he would stop loving you now just because you fail? God the Father is the source of all love. But how do we see this affectionate love of God the Father? Love is from the Father. Point number two, love is revealed through the Son. God the Father has shown his love in the person of his Son. See, some people think that Jesus is the loving one, but really it's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together that are love. And so we see the Father's love for sinners in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. It says this, In this, the love of God was made manifest. And what does manifest mean? Revealed. That's right. Like a Christmas gift, a mystery revealed. And how does Jesus reveal, how does God reveal his love towards us? In Jesus, in his one and only son. And how? How is it, what is it about Jesus where we see God the Father's love? Multiple things from our text. Look at verse nine. The first thing is that he says, in this, The love of God has been manifest among us that God sent his son, his only son. And so we see God the Father's love in the son by sending him to a dying world. God didn't have to send the son. The the son didn't have to come and save sinners, but he was sent and he came. 
And in this, the love of God is demonstrated in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What does the most famous verse in the Bible say? For God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave his only son. He sent his only son, our passage says in verse 9. God would have been just leaving us to wallow in our sin, our hostility, our sicknesses, wars, death, decay. He, he could have done that, you understand? But instead God moved and he acted and he sent his son. What love is this? And not only did he send his son, but what does it say in the text? God sent his what? Only. only. His only son. His one and only son. And whenever we see that phrase, one and only son, in the scriptures, it always has to do with a family that has only one son, and that son is either on its way to die or has already died. You think of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham had one son, the son of promise, Isaac. He loved his son. It was the son of his old age. He waited years, 20 plus years with Sarah, who was over 100 years old, was around 100 years old when he, she gave birth to Isaac. And he loved his son so much, but God sent him to put his son to death. And he said, you know what? I'm going to do it. Remember, but God spared Isaac. It was his one and only son. Well, in the same way, the father loves the son with a love deeper than any love than anyone has ever known. His affection for the son is is so vast, as vast as the ocean, even more than that. He loves the son more than anything. He's pleased with his perfect son, his obedient son, his good son, and yet he sent his only son. Where? What does it say in the text? Verse 9, God sent his only son into the, the world. God who in their right mind would send their son into the most dangerous, wicked of places? Like, say, my, uh, my one and only daughter. I just, you know, when you grow up, I'm just going to send you into the worst, pl- into Afghanistan, into the, some of these worst places, like where there's evil abounding, into an ISIS camp. Like, that'd be terrible, Right? In the same way, the world is filled with wickedness. It's a joyless place. It's a hopeless place. Why? Because of sin. The world is plagued by sin. Yet who would send their son into such danger? Who would send their son to go on a, on a suicide mission, right? Which is what Jesus came to do. And he agreed to it. He willingly came. He willingly said, I want to be sent. He agreed with the Father to be sent into this world. It's, it's kind of like that scene in Lord of the Rings. I know many of you haven't seen it, but there's a scene where, where the ring of power has been, has been found. And they're sitting around this council and they're, they're discussing how to destroy this ring. And they come to the conclusion that the only way to destroy this evil, powerful ring is by going into the enemy's land and walking into the fiery mountain of uh, Mount Doom and casting it into the fire. But this journey would take a toll on whoever, does, whoever takes the ring. They'll suffer, they'll be tempted, and they'll probably die because it's the most dangerous journey of all. Who in their right mind would ever do this? And they're arguing about it, they're arguing about it, and then in an act of love and courage, Frodo, little Frodo stands up and says, I will do it. I will bear the shame. I will bear. 
I will bear the punishment, the trials, the suffering in order to save the race of men. And now you see illustrated in a book that is fantasy what happened in real life when God the Son in eternity past looked to his father and said, I know no man and no, no earthly man or woman would ever dare to be sent into such a wicked place to die for sinners, but I will do it. I will go, and I won't face the powers of Mount, the fires of Mount Doom. I'll face the fires of God's wrath meant for every single one of you here tonight, and I'll do it because I love you and I love them. That's love. Who would do that? Jesus, for you and for me. There's not a love to be found in this world like the love of God for sinners. Seen in the sun. Why would you do this, Lord? Why would you come and save people that hated you, that rejected you? The only answer is because I'm love. I love them. And what's the purpose? Why did he come? It says in verse 9. So that, why did he come? He was sent into the world so that we might live through him. So that we might live, we who were dead in sin might have eternal life. We who were dead to the law might be raised to newness of life. We who were dead to God would be awakened to love, to know God's love and to experience God's love and then to display God's love in the church. Jesus came so that you and I might live, spiritually live and have eternal life. We're all born in sin. We're all born destined to hell. That's where we're all headed. Unless you are saved by Jesus. Unless you are made alive. This is the love of the Father revealed in the Son. Now it keeps going though. Look at verse 10. More descriptions of Jesus' love revealed. It says, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He, God, loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation, like I said, means atonement. It means the mercy seat. And the mercy seat was the place on the altar that was on top of the altar. It was where the priest would lay his hand on the, on the, on the bull, on the goat, or on the lamb. And he would confess the sins of the people on the goat. And then he would take a knife and he would slit the throat of the goat. Why? The picture is this. Something has to die for the people's sins, right? And so when you see this word propitiation, you need to think about that. That Jesus is the lamb who took the sin of the world and died. His blood was spilt. He died. He died. He was crucified for you and me. He's the propitiation. And this is love. This is sacrificial love. This is faithful love. This is a love you won't find in this world. It's not a superficial, shallow love. It's a committed love that even when you fail, God still, even when Adam failed, when Israel failed and they sinned, when we failed and, and, and sinned against God, Jesus, when he was committed to us, he obeyed perfectly all the way to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is the love of God. Jesus is God. God is love. <laughs> Love is from the Father. The Father sends the Son who reveals the love of God to us. But how can we know this love? How can you know the love of God? Not just theoretically, but know it experientially. 
Because I want this love in my life and I want it to affect everything in my life. How can you receive it? Love, point number three, love is experienced by the Holy Spirit. Love is experienced by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is love. Verse 13, we see the Trinity here. We already see God the Father. We've seen God the Son. Now look at this in verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and God lives in us. How? Because he has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's love gift, his secondary love gift to us. God loved us by sending Jesus, but God the Father and Jesus loved us all the more by sending the Holy Spirit to indwell inside of us. So how is it that we receive the love of God? You need the Holy Spirit in you. You need to receive the Holy Spirit. That's the good news, is that God didn't just want his love to be simply looked at and admired. Oh, look at Jesus' example. He's so loving. Wow. That's cool. No, he wanted you to know and experience his love. And so he sent the Holy Spirit who indwells us and changes us from the inside out. See, the reason why, the reason why, students, many of you are enslaved to your sin and are an unlovely person. You are not a loving person. The reason why you can't kill your sin in your life. The reason why you don't care about anything that I'm saying is because the Holy Spirit has not come inside you. The Holy Spirit has not made his home inside of you. The Bible is clear, students, that you cannot earn God's love. You cannot obtain God's love by your striving, by your good deeds, by going to church, by, being, by saying the right things in life group, by being a part of a Christian family. That is not how you get God's love. The only way you can get God's love that it can become yours is that you must be born again by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must implant new life inside of you to change your heart and your desires so that you can love, so that you can love your siblings, so that you can love your parents, so that you can love your friends. You need the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. Your strivings uh, to try to love, like the world, the world strives, wants to be so loving, but it can't because it doesn't know God. They can put choose love on the back of their helmets. They can put love is love on their signs, but they have no idea what love is. And many of you, you're in the same boat. You know the facts of Christianity. You know the fact that God is love, but you don't know God. You don't have a relationship with God. You don't have the Holy Spirit. He must come into your life. And one of the ways that you know God, the Holy Spirit, has come into your life is by verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. So if you confess with your lips that Jesus is the Son of God and you believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will be saved. So do you believe? Simple question. Tonight, you want to know if you have the love of God, that you've experienced God, that you have the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead? Have you cast aside all your good works? 
Have you thrown off your sins? Have you realized your sin? Confessing your sin, saying, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. God, save me. Be merciful to me. That's looking to Jesus by faith. That's believing. Believing in Christ also entails forsaking your sin. Confessing your sin. Being sorrowful over sin. Do you believe in Jesus? Have you confessed he is Lord and he has risen from the dead? And if so, then what's a further evidence? How can I know that I have the Holy Spirit and that the love of God is in me? Look at verse 7. Comes full circle. Beloved, how do I know that the love of God is in me? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. How do I know that I know that I know God? (laughs) How do do I know for sure that? Do you see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you see the fruit of love for one another in this room? For your siblings? For your parents? For that kid that is mean to you? See, Jesus says you must not hate your enemies, but love your enemies and pray for them. Do you love the people who persecute you? Do you love the people? Do you pray for the people who have hurt you? you, See, this is a mighty love. Why? Isn't that what Jesus did for us? We sinned against him. We wronged him. We rejected him. Yeah, he still loved. And so in the same way, middle schoolers, we know that the love of Jesus, the love of the Father, the love of the Son, and the Holy Spirit is in us when we love just as Christ has loved us. Right? Look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So, those who experience the love of God in Jesus will show the same sacrificial, faithful, undeserving love towards others. And guess what? If the Holy Spirit is in your life, he's there to help you. He's called the helper. And he will help you love. He will help you love. And so, that's the message. God is love. How do you love one another? You need to look to God. You need to look to Jesus. Your heart needs to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Your heart needs to be warmed by the love of Jesus so that you can love other people. And if your life, if you're realizing that your life is filled with a lack of love, you're unloving, you're an unloving person. The good news is that God is love. And that you could repent of your sins tonight and receive the love of God in Christ Jesus. Love is not an open door. Love is a person. And Jesus is the door. And those who enter through that door have eternal life. And life forever. So trust in Jesus Christ. And if you do, you can be sure that God for all of eternity past has loved you. And he will by no means stop loving you now. He will love you for all of eternity. How loving, how great and marvelous is the love of the triune God. That the love of God comes from the Father, is revealed to us in the Son, and is experienced by the Holy Spirit. Beloved, if God so loved you, you also ought to love one another.